When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Sometimes it's the normal, sometimes it's the abnormal, and sometimes it's the paranormal, but it's always beyond reality. Welcome to the program. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. Thanks for being here tonight. Uh, My apologies out to our YouTube audience. Um, Had a false start there on the stream. Not sure why. Sometimes that happens. This technology stuff is not always perfect, that's for sure. Um, But we're going to be talking about something rather interesting tonight. If you've watched the History Channel anytime recently, you've probably seen a television show that seems to be on constantly, because it's good, uh, called Ancient Aliens. And our frequent guest, Scotty Roberts, has been on that program. Many of the other people we featured on Beyond Reality um, have been on the show as well. But they talk about uh, the idea, the notion that aliens had visited this world long before um, their human civilization uh, was organized and, and certainly at a technologically advanced level. And in fact, in some cases, they believe that these ancient aliens helped uh, introduce technologies to the human race, made it what it was. Some people believe that uh, there's actually alien DNA in our DNA. And that was part of the process. Our guest tonight, Jock Doubleday, uh, believes that the Earth was actually terraformed by some other ancient civilization. And he says he has evidence, he's found it all over this globe, that he can talk about to support that notion. And that's what our conversation will be tonight. Was the Earth terraformed? Was the moon put there intentionally? Is it artificial? It's all part of the same discussion. And that's what we'll be chatting about tonight. We will take your phone calls Later in the show at 844-687-7669. And uh, that'll be in the second hour of the program. If you have questions or want to offer some comments on our discussion, again, the guest tonight, Jock Doubleday. Looking ahead on the show, just so you know what we've got coming up tomorrow night, of course, is a best of program. Monday night, Dr. Ming Chi will be with us. Ming is an author of a new book called Angels of Rainbow Bridge, Life After Transition, which was written to help ease the pain of losing a pet. Tuesday night's program, Frank Bennett will be here. Frank is an author and a Bible teacher. Frank will talk about his book called Encounter with the Aberdeen Wild Man. He'll also talk about his biblical perspective on the paranormal. And a lot of great stuff coming up after that. Of course, here we've always got interesting conversations. Please visit our social media. Go to Beyond Reality Radio on Facebook. Also, J.V. Johnson on Facebook. Give both of those pages a like. And then also uh, go to YouTube, find the YouTube channel, because it's a great resource if you want to listen to some of our back interviews or back discussions, older ones. I think they go back a good 18 months or so on the YouTube channel. Plus, there's some special content there. Just go to YouTube and search for J.V. Johnson, or I think you can find it if you search Beyond Reality Radio as well. There are like 350 interviews on that um, on the YouTube channel. It's a great place to be. Please subscribe to that channel. Hit the notification icon. That'll let you know when we go live or when we upload special content. Appreciate all of that. All right, we'll go to break. When we come back, we'll bring in our guest for the night. Again, we'll be talking tonight with Jock Doubleday. We're talking about the Earth and the notion that it may have been terraformed. It may have been built for life. We'll see. That's up next on Beyond Reality Radio. Look out, Rochester. Scaricon is coming for you. The Northeast's leading fan convention for all things pop culture is celebrating its ninth year at the Rochester Riverside Hotel, October 18th through the 20th. Scaricon brings an amazing group of celebrities, panel discussions, film screenings, great vendors, and amazing parties. It's a weekend of fun from start to finish, and it's family-friendly. For more information, visit Scaricon.com and check us out on Facebook. Use the promo code BRR at checkout to save 20% on your admission. That's Scaricon. Con.com, October 18th through the 20th in Rochester, New York. Jock, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Great to have you here tonight. 
Thank you, JV. I really appreciate it. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. We've got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of things to talk about, and you're going to have to walk us through some of this because I think this idea might be new to many people. So um, let's take it a step at a time. And I noticed something on your website that I need a little bit ex- of an explanation for, and I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing it correctly, but what is uh, caminology? Well, <clears throat> and there's a... Um there's sort of a backstory to that word, um, which is that I spent 23 months in the Bosnian Pyramid Complex. Uh, 19 of those months, I was the official videographer for Archaeological Park Foundation, which is a Bosnian NGO <clears throat> nonprofit that oversees excavation there in the Visoko area. And so, Kamen is the Bosnian word for stone. And I decided that because so many researchers in modern times are researching the idea of artificial stones, stones created by the ancients, for instance, possibly some of the stones in the Giza Plateau area, the Giza pyramids, Mm -hmm. um, that I would give a name to what the independent researchers were doing. Um, because we don't have a name for a discipline that studies artificial stones. We have, we have geology, which is the study of natural stones. Then we have lithics, which is the study of worked stones, like arrowheads. Mm-hmm. And then we have this upswell of independent researchers across the globe who are beginning to realize that much of what we had thought was carved blocks that, that form pyramids or carved stones that form other structures in, in ancient sites, that, that we had thought that these were natural blocks, were actually molded concrete. So that's what commonology is, is the study of ancient artificial stones. <clears throat> so let's talk a little bit about the Bosnian Pyramid Complex, because you spent a lot of time there. That's uh, kind of at, at the core, from what I understand, of a lot of what we're going to be talking about. Where exactly is it, and, and what exactly is it that we're talking about? Well, the Bosnian Pyramid Complex was discovered in 2005 by Dr. Sam Ozunagic, who's a Bosnian native, and he had been going around the world. He was a real-life Indiana Jones before he even discovered the pyramids in Bosnia. And so <clears throat> he had already written books on... Uh, pyramids around the world, ancient sites around the world in many different countries. He came back to his own country, and he was in this little town of Isoko, and he saw this hill that looked like it had some geometry to it, and he took out his compass and, and saw a north orientation to the, to the northern side, and he said, that's a pyramid, you know, and it's a forested hill, so it didn't look to anybody else like a pyramid. Um, in Bosnia... The reason that these pyramids had not been discovered before this was because the, the stones, for instance, on the Giza Plateau that, that, that form the, the pyramids there, it, it, they're obviously, it, they're, they're, the structures are obviously built, whereas in Bosnia, the materials are different, and the way they made the, the pyramids and other structures was with clay and alternating clay and clay stones instead of these obvious blocks. And then, over time, the soil accumulated, um, and then trees grew, and just looked like a, a natural hill. You know, I mean, all the pyramids there looked like natural hills. And so, for him to come out and say those are pyramids, and he, you know, he named two pyramids on, on that one day, uh, was just he knew he was going to set himself up for ridicule, and that's what he got. But you know, little by little the Bosnian Pyramid Complex has been coming into the, the mainstream, uh, not, the, not the academic mainstream, but sort of the mainstream discussions online, because we see that the evidence shows, the scientific evidence shows that there are pyramids and other ancient structures there in, in Visoko. So I have to assume that uh, the pyramids of Giza may have suffered the same fate if there was um, maybe more vegetation, it was in a climate and uh, a soil structure that actually could support uh, that type of growth. Uh, it's just not the case for Giza, which is why those pyramids were a little more obvious, I guess. Well, right. That's the climate in, 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 Bo- in Bosnia 
uh, is super, super wet. I mean, so there's just endless growth there. And uh, you've got the desert in, uh, in uh, Egypt, right? So um, everything's laid bare. And in Bosnia, uh, the building materials were slightly different. So every structure is made from alternating clay, which is the soft clay layers, which is presumably for earthquake mitigation, and then hard baked claystone layers. Uh, so it's back and forth between those all the way up the structures. And then on the Pyramid of the Sun, which is that, which was that first pyramid that Dr. Sam Osmanagic found, uh, at the very top level, there's uh, concrete that covers the whole pyramid and up to four layers crisscrossing layers of concrete. And that concrete is bound by clay. So clay is the primary ingredient of all the, the three different types of layers in that pyramid, and it's the primary ingredient of all of the other structures. So um, this is different from most other uh, pyramid complexes around the world, and that's why it was so hard to see, because the, the clay, if you just dig through it, it, just looks, it looks like a sedimentary... Uh, structuring our st- st- strata, you know, so it's it's not uh, fully obvious. These are uh, artificial stones, you know. When when people would dig for their house uh, foundation, and they'd find these stones, it wasn't fully obvious that these are artificial because each stone is different. I have an article online called uh, "No Two Stones Are the Same," and it talks about the fact that each stone in those claystone layers, in every single structure in the complex hundreds of millions of stones, everyone is different. Everyone is unique. Everyone's a different size. <clears throat> if it's in a layer, the, the stones are of similar thickness to the one to the right and the left, you know. But the shapes are slightly different. They're not perfect Roman sort of right angle shapes in general. There's a lot of curving in the complex uh, with the stones in the complex. There's curving of the layers themselves. There's curving... Um, they're sloping upward and spiraling around the structures, so the layers are spiraling around the structures. They're also inclined into the structures for structural strength. So there's so many different angles going on in these, in these layers, and it's, it's, a, it's much, much different from uh, the usual uh, structuring. Has there ever been any substantial excavation of any of these uh, pyramids in this complex? Yes, that's what... Uh, the Archaeological Park Foundation has been doing for, uh, let's see, 14, 14 years. So they've been literally excavating not just the surface of pyramids and tumuli there, um, but they've been excavating the tunnel system that was found by Dr. Sam Ozmanagic. He asked some children that were native to Visoko if they knew of a tunnel or a cave that they played in. And they said, yeah, there's one right up here. So he just, he just went there, and there's this little tiny, uh, like a crawl hole for a kid. I mean, if you're an adult, you could barely sort of squeeze through it for a, for a few meters, and that was it. He started to excavate the loose fill-in material. It was gravel, basically, from the river. Um, but it was way up above the riverbed. So he was excavating this stuff, and he found a, a domed ceiling. And he kept going, and now there's, there's, a, there's a... He's excavated literally hundreds of meters of a labyrinth that heads toward the Pyramid of the Sun, because this is 2.5 kilometers northeast of the Pyramid of the Sun. So he's, he's actually go, the labyrinth is slowly moving toward the Pyramid of the Sun, and eventually it's going to get under, but, but he's still pretty far away in his activations. Um, oddly, 4,600 years ago, estimated by carbon dating, another unknown advanced culture came in, filled these, this tunnel system to the brim with loose sand and river stones, and this is called the fill-in material, and that's what they've been excavating for 14 years. And no one knows why they filled it in, and no one knows who they were, and no one knows who originally built the tunnel system an estimated 34,000 years ago. That is a date that has been come up with because the carbon dating of material found between blocks on the Pyramid of the Sun is an estimated 34,000 years. And then we assume that Rodney Tunnel Labyrinth was built as part of the complex. That's an assumption. 
and but we do have carbon dating for the dry stack walls that are inside the tunnel as part of the fill-in process, and so we we've got that at 4,600 years ago, and so we we feel that it's a good date for an approximate date for the filling in of the tunnel, the plugging of it. We just don't know why they did it. We don't know who they were, and we don't know why they left the water channels open because there are some water channels in there <clears throat> that were not filled in, fully open. So when you, when you bring out the little wall that's plugging the side tunnel where the water channel is, you bring out that material, suddenly it opens up like in a movie, and you've got this beautiful pristine water channel, and it winds around, and you don't know how long it's going to go. So we explored those on video, so we've got lots of videos of that. So that was my job to, to videotape what was happening there. So I'd go on these excursions, and anybody can find these videos, uh, Bosnian Pyramids YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, they'd go along, then they'd stop. Nobody knows why they have water channels in, this, in the labyrinth. Nobody knows why the people who filled in the tunnel to plug it would, let, would have left them open. Uh, no one knows how they filled them to the brim because if we filled in a tunnel today with, with gravel, it would settle and there'd be an inch or two inches or five inches from the, from the ceiling. There wasn't. There was never any, any gap. It was completely plugged somehow by an advanced technology. We'd, uh, it's just it's, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling how much material was brought in, and it's mind-boggling that they thought up a reason to do this. I mean, why would you spend so much energy to plug a tunnel, you know? And, Jock, you had mentioned that uh, the best estimates based on carbon dating and other research of the age of the, the Bosnian um, pyramid complex is about, I think you said, 34,000 years ago? Correct. It, give us a sense of what the state of the human race was at that point. Um, 34,000 years ago uh, puts humans at what stage? Well, um, that's, a re- that's a really good question. And the stage of, of uh, human development was, as far as uh, the orthodoxy is concerned, the, the academic orthodoxy, uh, was nowhere, nowhere um, advanced enough to have been building pyramids or to have any reason to build pyramids or to have the technology to build them, so, uh, or the manpower. And so the question is, who built them? Um, and so uh, I've specifically asked Samir about this. I keep in touch with him. I talk to him at least once a week by email, the, the discoverer of the Bosnian pyramids. And uh, he, he said, I, I, I asked him specifically, I said, are you, are you, is, is it the position of the foundation that he created, the, the nonprofit foundation in, in, in Sarajevo, that humans built the pyramids? He said, no, that's not our position. <laughs> okay. In other words, I said, is, is it your position that E.T.'s built it? He said, we're not making a claim either way. He's, but he's, he's not saying that humans, that, that, he's not saying that the foundation is claiming that humans built them. That's all he's willing to, to say right now. Now, l- let's be uh, fair about this discussion um, and put this right on the, out on the table. This is a controversial idea. Uh, there are people who don't believe that these are actually structures and they feel that they might be natural formations. But you were there, you videotaped, you witnessed, you dug, uh, and you're firmly uh, believing that these are structures that were created, made by some force uh, of uh, some sort or another, right? Some intelligence, yes. And um, what do you say to the folks who say, uh, who dispute the legitimacy of this stuff? Well, it's, it's kind of hard to know where to start because we have so much science that it would take two years to read all of it. We've had five scientific conferences about the Bosnian pyramids, and they're international scientific conferences where scientists come, they deliver their papers about research they've done in, you know, on various aspects of the Bosnian pyramid complex. Um, beyond that, we have endless videos, not just that I made, that just many videographers and film crews have made. Um, of the features themselves, of Ravnaitan Labyrinth, which is astounding. It's just astonishing. We've got laboratory analysis of the megaliths. We know the ceramic. They're, you know, they're artificial. Many different independent um, laboratories have confirmed that these megaliths that were found in Ravnaitan, these bizarre shaped things, textured surfaces, 
are ceramic, and they have a glass, almost a glass-like sheen to them, and not natural stones. Um, and they're so, um, but so it's endless. There's just there's no way to really know where to start. But what I usually do if someone says there are no pyramids in Bosnia, I just send them a, a little video I made <laughs> of some private landowners who have no relationship to the foundation. They're just some people that live in Bosnia. They live on this hill, Visočica Hill, which which is now called the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun. But if people don't believe it's a pyramid, then it's Visočica Hill. The, the landowners are living on this hill. They they were digging a, their their uh, out some clay out to to you know flat, flatten the surface so they could have a patio and drink coffee on and look out the view. And uh, they found some stones, and I I went and made a video of that. And you can see that it's this weird. I mean, structuring to the hill that's clearly artificial, and that's just a question of whether you think that some Romans put some stones there, or was it something else? You know, is it part of the pyramid? Um, but that's a beginning to people saying, well, I wonder what it is. I mean, I'm not here to convince anybody that there's pyramids in Bosnia. I'm not even here to convince them of anything at all. I'm a playwright. I don't care if anybody believes a word I say. Right. I have nothing to sell. I just know that I was there for 23 months. I was out in the field for 23 uh, months every day. I woke up in this complex where these structures are gigantic. They are always alternating layered of soft clay, which is presumably the earthquake mitigating clay, and then the hard baked clay stone layers. And they're artificial stones. I mean, you can't deny that the stones are artificial. Then you go, well, if they're artificial stones making up these structures, then clearly they're an artificial structure. (laughs) <laughs> and if right. they're oriented to the to the cosmic north, and they have a triangular face, then that's a pyramid. I mean, I I don't know. Uh, you know, I, there's just to, there, the weight of evidence. We knew that it was a pyramid complex in 2007. It was never a question after that of is there a pyramid? Is there a pyramid in Bosnia? It's what are they for? And there's so much science on that now. That's the exciting part, um, and that has to do with communication. So. I mean, I can get into that if you yeah, want. Yeah, actually, my I'd next, love to get it. Yeah, my next question was going to be: uh, we're talking, we, we we're talking about a, a structures that were created thirty four thousand years ago, give or take. You've already kind of answered this, but I want to sp- maybe speculate a little bit and just get a little more get a little bit more information about what the theories might be. But the the, the follow up question would obviously be: who built these? Right. <laughs> and like I said, I know you kind of already said it's an unknown, but there's got to be some theories. Well, I don't know if the, I don't know if there's any um, specific, you know, uh, intelligence or race, let's say, that has been named by anyone as far as the the actual builders. Um, oddly, when you're on the pyramid, because they've excavated a lot of the uh, the concrete slabs on the on the top the top surface of the pyramid. And if you go 20 meters to the left to another excavation site, you've got a different style of concrete slabs than you did 20 meters to the right. So I, 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 I'm thinking to myself, and I've never said this to Samir, but, um, but I, I mean, it's, so, it's obvious, so I, there's no reason for me to say it. You know, I'm just, I'm just the videographer and a playwright from America. What do I know? But um, I'm sure that somebody else has also thought to themselves, I wonder if different races were involved in the building of this structure, whatever one wants to call it. You can call it a hill, you can call it a pyramid. Whatever it is, it's artificial, because you don't, you don't have stacked concrete blocks in nature. <laughs> right. So here, here you, and this excavation site um, on the top of this hill or pyramid, um, you've got stacked concrete blocks, and then 20 meters to the left, it's one massive slab that goes from your bottom of your foot to your hip, and it's you know it's like uh, it's uh, I don't know five five meters long, and, and how did they pour it is another question because it's the same thickness at the bottom of the slab as it is at the top of the slab, and if we tried to pour on a 44 degree hill, it would be much thicker at the bottom of the slab. It's not. So, so how did they pour it um, and have it remain the same thickness throughout? That's another question that, 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 that keeps occurring to me. Then you've got the different style of the knobbiness of the concrete. Uh, one excavation site has a lot, a lot of big river stones in it, really knobby, 
and the one with the thicker slabs has much finer grained. Then you go, well, I wonder if it's, it, it could have been two different engineers from the same race that built, whoever built this in the past, doing two different things, for maybe for a scientific reason that they had, or maybe just because it was a style that they had, an artistic style, who knows, or it could have been two different races. And in that case, if it's two different races, maybe there's a hundred different races that are helping build a pyramid that's the biggest pyramid in the world so far, um, so far documented. Um, so the, uh, mostly we have questions, and that's kind of what yeah. drew me, was the mystery, and that's what, that's what keeps me involved. If, if we had answers, I'd just go to the next thing, because I'm, I'm interested in the mystery, and all we've got in Bosnia is mysteries. But we do have a lot of, uh, of science, and we do have the beautiful photos and videos of the artificially textured stones that clearly are artificial, and that's just a question of what, what people want to make of that, you know. It seems to me there are a couple possibilities here. There's probably many, but two that seem to be at the top of the list. One would be that uh, there's a there was a human civilization that did have the technology and did have the capability that has disappeared, or there was some type of extraterrestrial alien type intervention. Um, any evidence to support either one of those ideas? Well, this is where it gets even weirder, and and you know. I, I really want to emphasize to your audience that um, my main thing is writing plays, you know, and, and screenplays and poetry and children's stories. And I don't have any investment particularly in what anyone else thinks of what I say about the archaeology or the terraforming or the, that subject. It doesn't matter to me. I just, it, it, what matters is that I'm excited about it because I was there. <laughs> and I well, I think I think you, yeah, but I think you're a little more involved than that. I mean, I know that your your YouTube channel, you've done a lot of uh, of narrative and presentation uh, talking about these ideas, and I think you're in the process of writing a book about it, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so I'm writing a book. Well, it's kind of leaping ahead because um, the book's called "Who Built the Earth." So if you didn't think I was crazy before, now's the time. You know? Jack, when was it that you were the videographer for all of this, which really is what uh, created an interest in it for you? Well, um, I had come out to volunteer for the Bosnian Pyramids co- uh, project in 2011 for three months, and then I came back as the official videographer in 2014, and I worked for 16 months. As that uh, in that capacity, and then I came back again uh, to do some more videography for the foundation for for three more months, and I stayed another I think it was four months uh, on my own making videos there. So the the total in the complex making videos was 23 months, um, and so we were just about to to segue into uh, the terraforming issue, and this is so so interesting because if you go outside the complex, which is which I did all the time because I was always walking from place to place. Most people take a bus or a car and I, I didn't have a car and I just I wasn't on a tour bus. I was walking to my next video that I was going to shoot for Semir for the foundation and I'd see the excavated hills of the, uh, where the road was because you know in modern times we, we take out part of the hill and then we put our road in and I'd see that all of the hills in or outside the complex were the same. They all had the alternating soft earthquake mitigating clay and, and the baked claystone layers. In other words, I could see the artificial stones in, in those hills outside the complex just as I could see them inside the complex. And I thought, well, this is weird. I wonder where it ends. So I took a taxi <laughs> on my off day. Um, I took a taxi outside the complex. So I think it was uh, 14, 14 kilometers uh, west along the Foynitsa River. And just to see, you know, I went up the main tributary and I just had him drop me there. I said, see you later. And then, you know, I just walked back after the video was made. But I wanted to see if that riverbed and the hills around it, if that all had the same structuring as the riverbed and the hills in, in the complex. And it did. So I was like, whoa, I wonder how far the terraforming goes. You know, I wonder how far it's built. I don't know how far it's built. But then I went to Croatia, which is a neighboring country, and Serbia, which is a neighboring country to Bosnia. And I did some exploration there. I didn't explore every inch between the pyramid complex and Serbia, but, you know, I was there looking at a hill. I said, I wonder if this is an artificial hill, and I, I made a video there. And it's, there's evidence that it is. And you're like, what's the evidence? Well, the evidence is that basically the straight-line seams that go through 
the sedimentary, the quote sedimentary material. In other words, we've got vertical straight line seams that join the material through what should be sedimentary material that spans eons. In other words, why is there one seam that's a common seam that goes 10 feet, 20 feet, 50 feet straight up through this material, you know, uh, perpendicular to the sedimentation, to, to sedimentary layers? That doesn't make any sense if you're talking about Mother Nature laying down, slowly laying down layers over hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of years. There's no way you'd have a, this common vertical seam. It just doesn't make any sense. So that was always the thing that tipped me off, and it was always it was similar to what I saw in the complex with the concrete hills outside the pyramid complex, because a lot of the hills were concrete as opposed to the, the alternating clay and claystone layers. So the concrete was always sectioned with vertical lines. So that was how you knew it was, was constructed, because it was sectioned. So the ancients were building in sections, and then you go, why would they even do that? Why would they build hills outside a pyramid complex out of concrete that join to a riverbed that's built? And you're like, I can't think of any reason. I'm a playwright, man. I don't know. <laughs> but all I could do is look at it and make videos. And so what I'm, what I'm doing and what I'm passionate about is science in its purest form, which is putting evidence out there, because science is a conversation among persons with evidence, right? And then... To me, I have no investment in being right. It's not that I'm not invested in the, in the passion of the journey of finding out who we are, because I am invested in that. I love it. But it's, I don't care. Like, I want to put the evidence out and go, what the heck is this? And then maybe someone has some ideas and we can, we can progress. If I write a book called Who Built the Earth, and it turns out that nobody built the earth and it's totally natural, awesome. Show me it's natural, but I got evidence that it's not natural. So I'm writing a book about it. Uh, we have about a minute here before we have to go to our top-of-the-hour break, and I want to uh, set the stage for this discussion about terraforming. When you say uh, that there's evidence to suggest that the Earth was terraformed, do you mean in the truest sense, in other words, the Earth was a, a dead planet or a, a body that couldn't support life, and it was turned into something that could support life? Is that the kind of terraforming we're talking about? Well, um, that's possibly sort of the next level of, of what I'm saying, and what I'm saying is simply that I can't find natural hills anywhere I go. Like, I'm in Texas now, it's all built, and I've got, I got pure evidence that shows that it's built everywhere I go, every video I make, for, for hundreds of miles. And then in, the, in South Africa, same thing. The hills are built out there. Where Michael Tellinger lives, all those hills are built, and I have evidence of that. And I can give you the, the video, and you guys can decide for yourself. Um, and so wherever I go, it's terraformed. That's all I know. Why they did it, who the heck knows? Quick look ahead of what we got coming up in the next couple of shows. Tomorrow night is a best of, as every Friday night is. And Monday night, we'll be talking with Dr. Mi Ching, or excuse me, Ming Chi, uh, author of the new book, Angels of Rainbow Bridge, Life After Transition. The book was written to help people ease the pain of losing a pet. We've had a lot of uh, pet uh, communicators on the, sh on the program, Pet Psychics, and uh, they're very popular topics, and uh, we look forward to doing that again Monday night, so um, mark that one in your calendars. Tonight, we're talking with Jock Doubleday. We're talking about the idea that the Earth was terraformed. Uh, some of this relates to the Bosnian Pyramid Complex and uh, some other evidence that uh, Jock has been talking about. And again, Jock, thank you for being here. We appreciate your time tonight. Uh, the phone lines are open at 844-687-7669. Now, I want to go back to this idea of terraforming, because I'm getting the impression you're not talking about the terraforming that we would have to do, like, on Mars if we wanted to colonize it. You're talking about more of a sculpting of the Earth? Yes. And um, right now I'm staring at a, a screenshot of a video that I shot in South Africa because Michael Tellinger had me down there for a month to make some videos with him. And um, on the uh, two days before I left, I had one day where I was just on my own and I went out into the hills around his community there to, to see what was there, you know, um, and just to see if maybe the hills were built because from a distance there's, uh, there's shadows uh, on the on the hills that make it look like they're stepped. So every every one or two feet, you know, there's a little step down, little step down, little step down. 
I thought, wonder, I wonder if these hills are built like the hills in Bosnia are built, you know, the hills near the Bosnia Pyramid complex. Now, I want to be clear to your audience that I'm not just saying things. <laughs> <laughs> I, have video, I have videographic evidence and photographic evidence of everything that I'm talking about, and it's just, it's just I have 45,000 photos from Bosnia and a few thousand from South Africa and endless videos. They're all on my YouTube site, Jock Doubleday. Don't follow me. I don't care. I'm a playwright. Just come for the information, follow the information, go dig in your own yard, find out if your yard has some weird stuff in it, you know, and make your own video. See, I want to contribute to the scientific endeavor of finding out who we are, you know what I'm saying? And eventually I'll probably write a book, but what if I don't? I don't care. I don't care if I write a book. I have no investment in that. What I, what I care about is pushing evidence out, and if I can do that with a video or this conversation or an article, all of it which are for free, that's fine for me. So I want to be clear that, that one of the reasons that I believe scientifically that the hills in South Africa, for instance, are built, all of the hills that I could see there are in Vatrafal Bolfen, which is Mpumalanga province where Michael Tellinger lives, is that all of the layers, all of the stepped layers of the hills, and they're all stepped, is all of the layers are inclined into the structure. And by, by that I mean that the weight of the stone is leaning in to the structure. No matter what angle of the hill you're on, you can walk all the way around the circumference of a hill. And then, so in other words, the layers are, are, are literally weighted inward for structural strength. And there's no way that Mother Nature could make, would make a hill where all of the layers were weighted inward no matter what face you're facing. Um, it, it wouldn't make any sense. Well, how, how would Mother Nature do that? Well, engineers would do that to make sure their hills stayed there. Now, why, are, why would an engineer in the distant past make a hill? Why would, he, why would they make endless hills that span the earth? I have no idea. It seems insane to me, and I'm glad to be on your show because I think that you probably get a lot of people who sound crazy. <laughs> so I don't sound as crazy as I sound to myself when I talk about this stuff. But, you know, on your show at least, because, uh, you know, you get a lot of, you're 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 dedicated to going beyond the usual, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we don't think uh, we we don't take the opinion that anyone is crazy when they come on this program. In fact, we encourage the free flow of ideas and discussion, and that's what the program is about. So um, I appreciate what the point you're making, but certainly uh, no one here is going to be judging. So uh, the information is what's important to us as well, and we can make up. Uh, and I say we, I mean my audience can make up its own mind as to whether or not they think there's substance to the ideas. Exactly. So if, if people are interested in the South Africa video I made, uh, it's called uh, Elands River, the Artificial Elands River and the Terraformed Hills of South Africa, November 13th, 2015. Um, and you can go along with me on my journey. I try to do real-time exploration so there's, so there's as few cuts as possible so that people don't think I'm trying to sort of, you know, do anything weird with cuts to, right. to um, fake anybody out, you know. Um, but then it gets kind of tedious sometimes, <laughs> mm -hmm. so occasionally there might be a cut. But anyway, um, as far as Bosnia goes, uh, we have the exact same thing. We have inclination of the claystone layers into the structures. So no matter where you are on the pyramid of the sun, no matter where you are on the pyramid of the moon, no matter where you are on Vratnica Tumulus, it's all, all the layers are inclined into the structure for structural strength. I got endless photos online. If you just search inclined, uh, inclined clay stones, Bosnia, you'll find my stuff. Um, so endless videos, endless photos of the inclination and the spiraling of, this, of the layers around the structures. They spiral up, spiral up. And that's a super, super, super strong, well-engineered, uh, astounding feat of engineering, actually, that the ancients performed. Of course, to them, it might have been child's play. To us, it would be, how, how, in, the, how in God's name would you do this? With all this material... I mean, it's just, it's so much material, first of all. I mean, waking up in the pyramid complex every day for 23 months and seeing the gargantuan structures and realizing that they're built, I mean, it was just like, I could never believe how big they were. Because, and every day I'd say, oh my God, I didn't realize yesterday how big they are. And the next day I'd say the same thing. Um, the scale of engineering is shocking. And then you walk outside the complex and you go, it's still going. Where, where does it end? So I just kept making videos wherever I went. You know, I, I went to do other things. I was, like I said, I'm a playwright. So I, was, I, I wrote a play about Tesla. I got that 
translated into Croatian and then Serbian and Croatian because I wanted to to be performed in his native language. So I was going, you know, those are the, that's the language that he grew up with, Serbo-Croatian. So, um, you know, I was in those different countries, and I thought, oh, I'll make some archaeology videos and see if it's built out here, too. And I could always see evidence that it was built. But does it mean that it was built? It doesn't. Does it mean that I'm right about anything? No. It just means that here's some evidence. I just want to push it out there and see what people think. So come to my channel. I've got two. One's my personal channel, Jock Doubleday, then there's the Bosnian Pyramids YouTube channel. And, and Samir asked me to make that as kind of a backup channel for his, his main channel, which is Bosnian Pyramids TV. A lot of those are in the Bosnian language, but there are some English language videos on that one, Bosnian Pyramids TV as well. I, um, I know we don't have a lot of answers. I know um, that you know, we've determined that the structures in Bosnia anyway or are about 34,000 years old. We don't know who built them. We don't know why they were built per se. Um, but if we look at this and we accept for a moment that it was terraformed, there was a uh, some type of intelligence, whether it was a, an alien race or a human race that has since disappeared, that built these structures. The, the question is, why and why all over the world? Is, is there something bigger at play here? Well, I think it goes back to the Big Bang. And you're like, well, that sounds ridiculous because we're not going to talk about the entire span of the history of the universe, are we? Well, here's the thing. The idea that the Big Bang happened was a really cool idea and everything, but <laughs> there's no evidence whatsoever now that it happened. And, in fact, the evidence shows that it didn't happen with certainty, and that means we have an infinite amount of time before us and pr probably an infinite amount of time ahead of us. We live in an eternally recurring dynamic universe. Uh, I imagine it as a torus, you know, the, like the donut-shaped uh, torus, the geometrical shape. Mm -hmm. It's got the energy coming in from the center and coming out and eternally moving and changing so that their stars are being born, things are happening, there's dynamic things happening, plasma filaments are racing across the, the space and forming new stars and things are happening, but it's, it's always been here. That means that there's always been, that there's been an infinite amount of time, presumably an infinite amount of time, for advanced races to develop technology to do things like build planets, build homes, and you go, well, okay, well that's interesting, but Maybe that's not true. Well, maybe it's not true. Maybe it is. If it is, what kind of homes would you build? Well, you'd build a home that could protect you from asteroid impacts, cosmic radiation, global flooding, global droughts. In, in other words, you'd build a home that was hollow. Because we don't live on our roofs or on our walls outside our, our house. We live inside the house. So <laughs> um, there's a lot of evidence that the Earth is hollow, um, a lot of testimonials. So there's science and testimonials from people who had a lot to lose, reputation-wise, by saying that the Earth is hollow, um, because then they would be thought of as crazy. Um, and we have, and I've written a lot of articles about the hollow Earth, um, and then you go, well, if the Earth might be hollow, and there might be people living in there, or races living in there, or at least the intention might have been for someone to live in there, then maybe other planets are hollow, too, and then you realize, oh, my God, there is evidence that other planets are hollow, too. Other people have been doing this research for, for decades. So we have science that's sort of suppressed and buried and hard to find, but it's there about hollow planets. And then you go, well, maybe that's what's happening. But, but then the scale of it all is so massive that it's hard to really get, get one's mind around. And then you go, well, what's it all for? You know? Well, I mean... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that... who's, who's literally going to build a planet tomorrow? I mean, what race is going, you know what, let's build another planet. Really? What for? Don't we have enough? <laughs> I don't know. There's, just too, there's too many questions, you know? Yes, so let's go back to this notion that the Earth is hollow for a second, because we have, there, okay. there, there's, a, there's a, a community of people that um, believe that that is the case. Um, I believe it was Admiral Byrd at the North Pole had reported seeing an entrance into what he believed was a hollow Earth. Um, what other evidence have you seen that supports that idea? 
Well, yes. First of all, Admiral Byrd did um, go to the North Pole, and he, you know, and, and he, he he found the poles. Um, I think was it the North Pole or the South Pole, though I can't remember now. But anyway, he, he talked about the land beyond the poles. That was his public statement, on, you know, and and so we have him on TV saying the land beyond the poles, and you're like the land beyond the poles. What the heck does that mean? And then you, when you research him, you realize, oh, he'd been told to, to say nothing. And he, this was his way of not saying quite nothing. Right. Um, he was trying to get across to us that there's something beyond the poles, which means inside the earth. Um, so, I mean, that's one interpretation, and people can believe what they want. But like I said, the, the science of the hollow earth is, is you know, th- there is some evidence that the Earth is hollow, and it's, I've got a lot of it in my article. Um, one's called Shielding. Uh, did, did the ancients layer the surface of the Earth with alternating hard and soft material to protect it from asteroid impacts? That's one article. The other one's called Waiting for the Hollow Earth, um, which is a companion article to Waiting for the Hollow Moon, and there's two of those, actually. So um, there's four sort of hollow planet articles that people can look at, and it just directs you to different people who have done real research, real science, and it's just a conversational way to get people sort of into the subject. Um, if, our, if our home is hollow, then we have a place to go to protect us from cosmic rays. Uh, we have a place to go to protect us from global flooding. Um, we have a place to go to protect us from asteroid impacts. I mean, it's just, it makes sense to be inside one's home. Let's, um, let's uh, jump to our phone lines because we're going to run out of time here. This is uh, Mark from New Jersey. Hey, Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about the possibility that the first chapter of Genesis in the uh, Old Testament is really just an explanation of how extraterrestrials terraformed Earth? So that the first day, you know, they found in a certain situation, and they ordered it going or something like that, and the, uh, the word should be taken literally, but... Talking about aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great question there. Uh, your your cell phone's a little bit funky, um, but uh, I don't know if you ca- uh, got that, Jock. Uh, he, Mark was asking what your opinion was about the uh, about the Genesis account, Genesis account of terraforming um, by aliens. It can be interpreted that way. Any have you looked into that at all? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have. And what's really cool is that this Italian scholar Moro Biglino. Um, who's still alive, um, was hired by the Vatican, the publishing house of the, the official publishing house of the Vatican, to translate the Bible word for word, um, the best, you know, uh, version of the Bible that they had, in their opinion. And they said, we want you to translate this word for word um, and give us a literal translation of the best version of the Bible that we have. And he said, okay. He, he had no agenda, you know. He found... Oddly, he found aliens, spaceships, all sorts of things like that throughout the Bible. Um, and as he began his translation, and he, he would send the, the publishing house his, his chapters. Um, after he had done that for a few chapters, a uh, few books of the Bible, um, they fired him. <laughs> so right. um, that was Moral Biglino. Now, he is actually, uh, interestingly, in a conference with Semir Osmanagic in Italy uh, just uh, in October of this, of this year. Uh, talking about ancient history. So they're all going to be the, together. Michael Telger will be there in Italy. It'll be in, uh, there's one in Bologna and one in, uh, in uh, Milan. Jock, where, does, where do the pyramids in Giza fit into all of this? Are they, are they related to this Bosnian pyramid complex? Well, so many researchers who are, you know, um, in-depth, uh, sort of scientific-minded Mathematical-minded researchers uh, have done earth grid, uh, you know, ley line mm-hmm. um, research. Um, Hugh Newman has a great book called Earth Grids, um, and and that shows that that the pyramids are part of a, a, a network. And you go, well, not you, but a, a person might say. What kind of network are you talking about, bro? <laughs> because what what in God's name would the ancients be doing with a network of pyramids? I mean, what what would that be for? Well, then you have Bosnian um, 
the Bosnian Pyramid Complex researcher Goran Majanovic, who's a Serbian electrical engineer who came out to do research on the Pyramid of the Sun, and four different scientific teams had already found a column of energy, a beam coming out of the top of the Pyramid of the Sun, a very distinct uh, edge to the beam, um, nine, I think it was nine meters wide. Obviously, I don't have that mathematical mind. Numbers escape me, but I think it was nine meters wide. All the teams found the beam in the same place. They all had the same measurement. It's 28 kilohertz. And then Goran said, I want to measure the shape of the beam. So he sent a drone up with different instruments, and he had the drone go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, then a little bit higher, back and forth, back and forth. And what he found was that the beam was not a column of energy, like we would imagine, but a repeating ellipsoid shaped beam, which essentially tells us that from the side it would look like a double helix spiraling upward and perhaps spiraling inward. In other words, the energy might be going both ways, in, in which case we could call it perhaps a communication device, um, the pyramid, and that the beam is, is, is being generated using Earth energy by the pyramid to send messages. Who is sending messages? I don't know. What kind of messages right. might be being sent? Why would anyone need messages to be sent? I don't know. Maybe it's a GPS system to let, to let you know, like there's a cosmic GPS system so that the, that the planets can, without operators of, the, of these pyramids, can just always be in connection with each other and so that someone could tap into this energy and, and know where where planets are at this time and then if they're going to travel there, something like that. That's just a guess. I don't know. But anyway, he also did some more research, and he found out that there's a shadow effect. He calls it a shadow because we can't measure scalar energy. <clears throat> he, he's an electrical engineer, and he, he has no we, – we have no – humanity has no instruments to measure scalar energy, which is what Tesla called – uh, stationary waves or standing waves or also non-Hertzian waves, which are waves that actually have more power the further from the source they are, and Hertzian waves have less power the further from the source they are. So non-Hertzian waves, a.k.a. scalar waves. Goran Marjanovic is measuring to try to find out if scalar waves are being generated in this beam, so, it, so that it's not just a 28 kilohertz electrical beam, but maybe also a scalar beam, which means that it could be used for communication between galaxies if it's a scalar beam because scalar waves travel so much faster than light, so much faster than any kind of electrical energy. He says 20 billion times faster than the speed of light, which is pretty awesome. And I also asked him on video. I've got lots of interviews with him. Scalar conundrum, just check that out. I've got two, two interviews, in-depth interviews with him, scalar conundrum. Um, he says that the speed of scalar energy is actually infinite. So in other words, it can be slower than infinite, and he calls it 20 billion times faster than the speed of light, which means that if you want to talk to somebody in the next galaxy using scalar energy, you can do so like we talk to each other picking up a phone. It's that quick. Um, that's useful. That's real useful. But then, then the question is, if scalar energy is being produced by pyramids as part of a, you know, if, the, if there's an energy grid it's a scalar grid, a cosmic internet. Who's sending messages, and what are they saying? I, I'm not sending a message through the pyramid. Who's who's sending a message through a pyramid? What's the point? You know, of sending a message through a pyramid. What are you going to do? Say, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. You know, over here in the next galaxy. What, what what's the point of that? That's that's not are a you conversation you, anyone needs to have. Yeah, are you suggesting that they're still active? They're still actively sending these messages, whatever they are. Well. I mean, the, the, the pyramid is active in its, in its electrical beam that, that, that's coming in and or going out of it. So the 28 kilohertz beam is working now. Then the question is, is there a scalar component? A Serbian electrical engineer, Goran Marjanovic, who started the Tesla Heritage Club in, in uh, Belgrade, says yes. He says he found the shadow. In other words, he can't, like I said, we can't measure scalar energy directly, but he says we, he found the shadow of the electrical phenomenon that tells him that it is a scalar function to this beam. So he's saying, yeah, we, we found scalar, a scalar wave coming out of, this, coming out of the pyramid of the sun um, and going in at the same time. 
Now I can go into detail about what he call what um, how scalar energy performs in in the universe. If you want, it's real, a real quick metaphor, just to give people an idea. So because it sounds kind of vague and tenuous. yeah, yeah, go ahead and do that. Because I asked him because I'm a playwright, like I said, and I just I, I don't have a mathematical mind. I said, how do I, explain to me like I'm a five year old because that's basically what my mind is when it comes to science. I don't I need you to give me a metaphor. So I tried out a bunch of metaphors on him. I said, how about an accordion? He goes, okay, that would work. That would work. <laughs> so he said, the accordion player is the scalar energy, and the ether, Tesla's ether, is the fabric of the universe that the accordion player is playing. So in other words, a scalar wave compresses and rarefies the fabric of the universe, the ether, just like an accordion player pushes in the accordion and then p- pulls it out again. So that's what the scalar energy is doing to the fabric of the ether. It's compressing and rarefying it. He also calls it a breathing regime. That's what the Indian philosophers call the, the, the living universe. They say it's a breathing regime. It's going in and out, in and out. And, and, and Goran Mayanovich says that that is the action of the scalar energy. And it's like, wow, that's pretty amazing. So I've, I've got those articles, the scalar conundrum, anybody can find those. Then those point you to his really in-depth, both in English and in Serbian articles, PDFs with all the graphs and all the stuff that he found, all the measurements. So you can find those PDFs through my articles. Um, they're way beyond me. You know, I just wanted to get a metaphor out there to the people. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Mima Mounds, because I know that you've referenced them as well as being something that might be indicative of this terraforming that you're talking about. Talking about. Explain what they are, what, what uh, uh, they've been, assu- uh, they've, they've been uh, taught to be, and then what you think they are. Okay, okay yeah. Well, that's, that, that's, that gets into the, the uh, university... Um, I don't. I, I don't. I don't want to sound mean, so I'm, I'm not even going to go there. The, the academia has its own way of, of looking at the world scientifically, and it's the best that that has been able to be to come that they could come up with. And I understand, you know, that no one's going to propose. Oh, yeah, the Earth was built and it was terraformed, and that's where we're going to start. Obviously, no, they're going to go. It must have all been natural. It must have accreted. Uh, it's sedimentary. Everything is just natural, and then we we recently, you know, came to consciousness, and that's that's the history of, of our world. But um, we have these mima mounds all across the earth. Um, there are still some remaining uh, areas of mima mounds on, in the United States, but most of them have been leveled for de- development. They just took them down with bulldozers, and they're just earth, so they were easy to take down, super easy. Um, but there are some remaining ones. Um, I'm in Texas now, and there are some in, in southeastern Texas and, and uh, eastern Texas. And you can go look at them, and you can you can see cross sections on the internet. Um, you can you can go to my article, um, "Who Terraformed uh, Video: Who Terraformed the Earth: uh, The Terraforming of Planet Earth," and you can see the images of the cross sections of these mining mounds. You can see that you've got the glacial substrate, which is rock. Then you've got this loamy soil that creates the Mima Mound, and then you've got another Mima Mound. In other words, there was no earth just sitting around that some, somebody made Mima Mounds out of, and then on top of, you know, there's just the rock and then the Mima Mounds. Academia tells us that gophers were digging into earth and had mounds that were the result of their digging into earth. So it was all gophers that naturally made these mounds, hundreds of millions of which are still across the earth. Uh, Africa has a lot of millions and millions of them. Um, but this, is, this can't be, because you can see the cross-section. There's no place for the gophers to have dug earth from. It's just glacial rock. And then you've got the pure, loamy soil of the Mima Mound. And they're not modeled like a gopher mound would be. They're, not, they're perfectly smooth, perfectly roundish. And they just go on, they connect to the next one, they connect to the next one. And then you go, well, if somebody built these mile mounds after the glaciation, you know, after the, after the glaciers uh, scoured everything clean, that was pretty recently here on the North American continent. Right. Who's building mima mounds recently on the North American continent? It all, none of it, there's so many mysteries, you know, and what would it be for? 
to build Lima mounds, you go, well, if they did, somebody, then it must have been an energetic reason. reason. You know, there must have been an energetic component to the, to the, to the, the, the curving nature of these mounds that the, that the ancients wanted to uh, somehow mitigate energy or channel energy or something like that. I don't know, you know. Well, as we put all this together, we look at the the Maima mounds, we look at the pyramids both in Bosnia and the Egyptian pyramids in Giza. Uh, there are pyramids in South America. You know, there's, you, you talked about Africa. There are, there, there's a lot of evidence that supports what you're saying um, according to your findings. But when we look at it all together, what is the, what is the, 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 the bottom line here? Are we suggesting that... Um, there were advanced intelligent civilizations that were here long before what we're being told uh, was here, which would have been us and, and the civilization of the human race. Um, is that the bottom line? I think there was a mosh pit of sort of civilizations that came and went on planet Earth. Um, and so if you had a videotape of the activity on planet Earth since the beginning, it would just be this incredible, crazy, uh, creative and destructive just activity, like, and, and then nothing for a while, and then just massive wars and people knocking over, you know, pyramids that someone else built, and, and then building up their own structures, and then endless, you know, conflicts, and then cooperations, and just hundreds of different races with their own agendas. Are these and, hundreds of different human races, or are these could it could be anything? Well, uh, you know, I think a lot of your audience probably follow David Wilcock and uh, and the idea that from his insiders that there are twenty two um, races that sort of oversee genetic experiments with with us that were like sort of pets to them in a way or, or experiments. And that our 22 genetic varieties within the human race, our 22 genetic races, let's say, within the, within the human race, are being um, observed, managed by 22 separate um, ET races that, that live here or, you know, or inside the Earth. And they're watching us and seeing what we do. Um, so that's an interesting thing. They're, they're you know, they're insectoid, they're, they're ants, they're mantises, they're humanoids. Um, Wilcox says that his insiders tell him that most of the um, ET races are humanoid in appearance. They have a five-star pattern, you know, one head, two arms, two legs. But there's a whole lot of other races that, that aren't, like the, the mantis race and all these things. So, I mean, the, the, those are testimonials. And, uh, and I, know, I know they're not your theories. Yeah. Those aren't your theories. But are you, no. are you looking at those theories as possible explanations for, for everything that you've uh, discovered and the, the ideas that you're talking about here tonight? Well, see, that's the thing. There's, there's, the, we, we don't have, we don't have the, the videotape. Yeah. And I think there's too much activity for us. It's like we're looking at clues of so much stuff that went on, so many races that came here and had their own agendas and, and built and destroyed, that, that it's like, how do we put the puzzle together? I mean, it's, it's too massive to, for us to just do it in a few decades, which is what we've had. And I think part of what it's, you're calling for here, Jock, is for academia, for the scientific community to approach this with a more open mind, right? I would say that that's a really beautiful way to say it. Yeah, and probably a kind way, right? <laughs> it's yeah, putting because it kindly. I've been, I've, been, I've been sort of veering toward a little bit... Um, judgmental in previous interviews, and I sort of want to steer away from that now because yeah. I, I feel like everybody's doing their best, you know? Everybody is. We had, an, we had a discussion last night. We were talking about fringe topics in science, and, the, and our guest last night was saying essentially the same thing, that uh, the scientific community, for a community that is, is supposed to be interested in finding the truth, they are awfully closed-minded at times, and we see this throughout history, so it's certainly not a surprise. Listen, we, we're out of time here, Jock. Um, give people your YouTube channel again and wherever else they can go to get more information on these ideas that you're talking about. Well, there's two, uh, there's two sites. Uh, one's called An American in Bosnia, um, and that's a WordPress site. That's my newest one. And then the old one, same name, An American in Bosnia, is the Google blog. Um, so those are all Bosnian pyramids and terraforming and, you know, then there's Who Built the Earth. Um, 
And then there's the YouTube channels are Bosnian Pyramids, which is the official backup channel for the Archaeological Park Foundation. And then there's um, my own personal channel, which has lots of stuff about terraforming that's not Bosnian-related. And that's Jock Doubleday. So, like I said, don't follow me or do follow me, whatever you want. It doesn't matter to me. Just go toward the information. Get outside in your yard. Get outside in your area and dig. Make a video. Let's see what we can do together to find out who we are. Thanks for your time, Jock. A very fascinating conversation. Uh, hope to have you back on the program sometime. I appreciate it, JV. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Find us on YouTube. Subscribe, like, follow, whatever you need to do. Do all of those things. And if you're listening as a uh, podcast listener, we very much appreciate that. Share it with your friends. Let them know how they can get a hold of the podcast version of Beyond Reality Radio. A lot of people do that. It's a great way to listen on your morning commute or maybe your afternoon drive home or whatever it happens to be. Or maybe when you're mowing the lawn. We're not going to be mowing the lawn a whole lot longer here, at least in the Northeast. Um, Although uh, I'm I'm actually kind of looking forward forward to the cooler weather. I've had a miserably warm summer, Orion. I just uh, have not been able to be comfortable. I'm looking forward to the insects going bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, there have been a lot of insects this year, Ugh. too. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for being here, everybody. It's Beyond Reality Radio. We'll see you next week. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.Taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at JVJParanormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.